0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message.
1: Now, when we talk about single parents, there are some very, very special challenges that every single parent faces. And as usual, our family, the Robinsons, are here to give us a little demonstration of some of those challenges. Take a look. Hey, come on in,
0: guys. Hey. Hey, Cindy. Come here. Let me give you a hug. Thanks, Bill. It's good to see you. And how are my favorite nephew and
1: favorite niece? Not so good. Okay, guys, um, why don't you why don't you grab a seat?
0: Oh wow. Bill, I don't know what to do. The kids were so ready this morning. And again, Michael calls.
1: What was it this time?
0: You know what? It doesn't even matter anymore. The fact is that every second time it's his turn, he's a no-show. Oh, come on. Look how crushed they are. They love it when it's their dad's turn. I mean, Bill, how do I explain this to them? What do I do? I
1: know. I know. Hey, listen, guys. I'm sorry. I know this is disappointing, but... um tell you what, Scott and Christy will be down in a couple minutes. Maybe you guys can play that game of life they like so much.
0: (laughs) That game of life they like so much. How ironic. Bill and I must have played that game a thousand times when we were young. And funny, I never saw the space that said, stop, get divorced. It's the end of life as you know it. Maybe they should make a revamped version called Real Life and have a nice big little divorce detour in there. You know, hubby and wife split into two different cars and head off into two separate little paths. And they have to make sure that that little path and that little path are full of rocks and bumps all the way along. Hmm. You know what? The truth is, Being a single parent is really, really hard. I try my best to make a a good living and and a good home for my kids. And I get so, so tired. And then daddy doesn't show up. How do I undo that hurt? Oh, but thank God for a good church. And friends, oh, and family, like Bill, what a blessing they are for taking such an active part in my kid's life and face it in mine too. You know, a shared sorrow is half a sorrow. <laughs> they will never even realize how much the pressures and tensions of my life are relieved by them just stepping in and helping out, looking at them, you know, somehow I know we're going to make it.
1: You know, if that were only just a skit. Many of you are living that. I know you're living that. And I know that, um, as Bob said to you earlier, uh, he and Brenda have three children. Monica and I have three children. And I can tell you that being a parent uh, sometimes is really hard when there are two parents in the home. So I can only imagine how significantly more challenging are the issues that many of you face as single parents. So today, we're going to take a look at this variation. We've already talked about the basic family unit and what God's intent for the family unit is, but this is an imperfect world, and so uh, families don't always have, you know, a dad and a mom and 2.3 kids and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, There are variations, and today we're going to take a look at this single parent uh, thing, and... Fortunately, God has spoken to it in His Word. Actually, very clearly, God has addressed this subject. And like in all the other subjects in dealing with the family, I'm going to give you two words. And I really want you to focus on those two words throughout this entire week. And and I hope that as the weeks and months come in your life, that these two words echo back into your heart. Because they are two very, very foundational principles uh, for success. So let's take a look at single parents and what God wants them to bring to the family. The first word is this, and it's the word trust. You see, there are three things that I know about every single parent. And the first is, I've never met a single parent that didn't feel significantly vulnerable in life. And the reason that single parents often feel more vulnerable... Than, than homes where there are two parents is because every single parent that they don't get to be single parents normally that's not their first option. You know, virtually every single parent I've known starts into that journey with some season of hurt in their life. It could be they're married and and their husband or their wife fall sick, or in an accident is killed, and now all of a sudden they find themselves in a home with X number of kids and no spouse. Now they're not only having to deal with single parent issues, they're having to deal with grief and loss. It's hard. they got to do it all at once, all in the same chapter of their life. Sometimes people get to be single parents through divorce. I've never met anyone who went through a divorce that came out the other side and said, Man, that was fun. I mean, at best, it's disappointment. And normally, it's deep, deep hurt and sorrow. And now all of a sudden, again, they find themselves in this single parenting situation and it was not their first choice at all. In fact, most of the single parents I know who have gone through divorce... Have done everything they could to keep that from happening. And it was only after great effort to hold their marriage together that it finally fell apart. And now they're just trying to pick up the pieces. Or sometimes it's a pregnancy that takes place when there was no marriage. Now you have altogether other different issues. Do we marry? Do we not marry? Do we figure this thing out? Do we not figure this thing out? Do we go our separate ways? And if we do, how does all of that work? No matter who you are, if you find yourself today as a single parent, you can look back to a season of great hurt and probably great confusion in your life. You know what that means? That means that trust is probably going to be a very significant issue in your life. If you've gone through a divorce... Can be hard to trust again, because you carry some real hurt. If you have a pregnancy that you didn't plan, that has its own set of trust issues. Especially if the if the other person decides to split and run, you have trust issues. If you've gone, if you've been widowed, as as a parent and as an adult, trust issues. Virtually every single parent I know has to work through trust issues somewhere. That's why I thought it was just wonderful that Bob spoke to you this morning, and he said, I want to give you a promise of God. And he very clearly said to you, God doesn't cause everything to happen in your life that happens in your life, but here's God's promise that he will use that and he will turn it around and in some way, probably unforeseen by you, and in some cases you can't even imagine how he's going to do it, but God is going to bring something good and actually several somethings good into your life, even through that. But you know something? It's not going to happen if you don't trust Him. Now here, I want to point you to three passages of Scripture and then give you three principles out of these passages of Scripture. Take a look at the first one. The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Now, I don't have time to get into all that, but basically what that means is the ground is level where God is, right? No one gets a head start and no one has to start from behind. Everyone is equal in God's eyes. Now, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigners residing among you, giving them food and clothing. I want you to write these, um, these two words in your margin, Next to that scripture, just write the words at risk. In the culture to which that was written, those were the at risk people. They were the fatherless and they were the widows. Pretty much everybody else was was taken into some form of a family and and was considered uh, at, at considerably less risk than those who were fatherless and those who were widows. I want you to see at a minimum God has a heart for that. Now let's go on to the next verse. In Psalms, God says the Lord is king forever and ever. I find it interesting in both of those cases, God starts out with, with this statement, you need to know who I am, I'm in charge. And he goes on to say, the godless nations will vanish from the land. Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. There's that at-risk concept again. Surely you hear their cries and comfort them. You bring justice to and the fatherless and the oppressed. There's that at-risk thing again. So mere people can no longer terrify them. And And I'll read you one more. By the way, this theme is throughout Scripture in many, many places. The Lord watches over the foreigner and he sustains the fatherless and the widows. Let's take a look at three principles. Principle number one is this. God has a very, very special place in his heart. He reserves a very special place in his heart for earth's At-risk people. And as a single parent and your children who are, at this point, either having only one parent or divided parents, God knows that that puts them in a very at-risk category and God says to you I want you to begin by understanding that you now are up on a different radar screen in my mind not the radar screen of the general populace but I have a special one over here for those who are at risk and I want you to know that I step up to the plate for them in ways that I don't step up to the plate for others can I tell you as a single mom or a single dad you need to claim that promise. You need to recognize it in your life. You need to embrace it in your life. And you need to pray to God about that every single day and say, God, thank you for coming alongside me and bringing into my family things that I cannot bring into my family because there's only one of me. God says he'll do that. The second principle is this. God promises to personally protect and defend them. You saw that in the second passage I read to you. In other words, there's a little bit of that, th- a thing in here where God says, kind of, you pick on them, you answer to me. Can I tell you as a single parent, pray about that every day and bless God for that, that when you send your child off to school that God goes with that child, not that God doesn't go with the child from the home that has two parents, but there's a special way in which God goes with the child from a single parent home and God says, I'm going to step up to the plate for them and I'm going to protect them. I know that that's especially helpful for single moms because oftentimes they feel like my kids don't have the protection that they should have and normally would have from a father who's in the home. Well, God says, kind of, I'll be a father to the fatherless. The third principle I want to teach you is this. God promises to sustain them in life. And in particular, He talks about giving them provision. So God says, here's what I'm going to do. I recognize that those who are single parents are at a distinct disadvantage in this world, even from a provision standpoint. And if we were to go back into the Old Testament when God set up the Jewish nation and God personally made the laws for the Jewish nation, He built special provisions into the laws of that country to provide for those who were fatherless and those who had been widowed, the at-risk people. And God said, I want to make sure that they have ample provision uh, every year, all year long. And I don't have time to break that out for you, but he taught his people how to reap their fields. He taught his people how to do things uh, when they were reaping their fields so that they left material. In, you know, they left grapes in the vineyard and they left wheat out in the field. And, and it was only for the poor, the fatherless, and the widows and the people could go out and glean and gather that stuff for free. And then I believe it was every third year they brought the tithe um, to the Lord, but instead of actually giving it to the Lord, they actually distributed it to the poor, to the needy, to the fatherless, and to the widows. It was just a wonderful system of provision. Well, guess what? God's not done with that sort of thing. And God comes alongside every single parent and says, I'm going to bring into your life the resources you need so you can put food on your table, so you can have a shelter over you and your children's heads so that they don't have to go to school naked. I am going to make sure that you have what you need. I will provide for you. Now you take all three of those principles and they come under the umbrella of of an overarching principle that's very important for you to know. Let me show it to you here. Like all other promises of God, I must first of all believe that promise and then I must claim that promise through prayer and then I must learn to rely on that promise or it never comes to pass in my life. Now, if you've ever been the parent of a two-year-old child, I know you've been through this exercise before, and that is you're you're putting your shoes on your two-year-old child, and you're reaching down to tie them, and they say, do myself, right? And they get their little hands in there, does that help you? No, in fact, it's impossible to tie their shoes as long as they're messing with the, with the shoe strings. It just doesn't happen. Eventually, you're going to teach them how to tie their shoes, but the same thing happens to us with God when God says, now listen to me, I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to be a father to you, and we as a single parent don't claim that, and we just go out there and try to do it all ourselves and be all, do all because we think we have to be super mom or super dad because after all, we're in this job alone, and God says, what about me? You know, will you rest and rely on me? Will you allow me to step into your family and step into your life and come alongside you? Will you allow me to bring into your family what you as a single parent cannot bring in? Will you trust me with that? That's not just a trite answer. That's God's answer. And I want to tell you as long as you try to do it all yourself, then that promise just sits idly by on the wayside of your life and it does you no good. But if you'll get before God and say, God, I, I want to claim those promises in my life. and I, and I And I want you to know I'm going to rely on you. And I'm going to trust you. And I recognize that though life has dealt me a blow that I did not expect. Even if part of it was my own doing, I still didn't expect it. And God, I trust that you're going to come alongside me and I trust you're going to provide and I trust that you're going to protect and I trust that, 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 that you have a special place in your heart for me and for my children. And as Bob said to you earlier, I trust God that you're going to make this work out. For my good and for the good of my children. That's a challenge, but it's also a wonderful promise. Let me give you the second word because it kind of dovetails. And the second word is this. It's the word enlist. And I'm going to give you three different scriptures, and we'll take them one at a time and a principle with each one. The, and, and, the, and the idea of enlisting is you, earlier in this series of sermons, I, I quoted a, an African proverb that uh, former lady, uh, first uh, lady of our country, uh, Hillary Cl- Clinton, one time quoted, and that is, it takes a village to raise a child. Now, listen. God expresses that in His Word, not in those exact words, but He expresses that over and over in His Word. Now, if that's true for families that have two parents, how much more true is it for families that have one parent or divided parents? It does take a village. And I want you to see what God says. God says, first of all, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in His holy dwelling Here's the part I want you to underline. God sets the lonely in families. Would you read that out loud with me, please? God sets the lonely in families. One more time. God sets the lonely in families. Now, not just any lonely. You can see in the context, he's talking about the fatherless and the widows. Now, there's a very insightful thing going on here. Because God doesn't say, I'm going to set the fatherless and the widows. Somehow they're just going to get in touch with their own family. Because if they were already in touch with their family of origin, and if their family of origin were already working, would they be lonely? I don't think so. You know what God says? God says, I recognize that there are times when a person's family of origin is so unhealthy or it's so broken or it's so dysfunctional, or it's so destructive that it no longer is a blessing to, to its members. And I recognize that there are going to be fatherless children who, that, who when they look to their family of origin, there's nothing there for them except maybe destruction. He said, I recognize that there are going to be widows. There are going to be single parents. There are going to be all these at-risk people and they're going to look to their family of origin and in their family of origin, it's not good. They're not going to get anything good out of that. And God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that lonely person who has no family and I will put them in a family. Now, How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. It happens by enlisting the help of other people. That's what God wants you to do. By the way, for those of you, you've got two parents in your home, if you think that you can possibly provide for your children everything you need, you are delusional. Do I need to say that any clearer? Okay. We all need to enlist the help of those around us to reinforce the values that we are teaching or trying to teach and model for our children. Even more so single parents. And so God says, if you'll trust me in this and you'll reach out and you begin to enlist the help of other people, what you're going to find out is by enlisting the help of other people, you're going to end up with this second family that hopefully is a lot healthier and a lot more productive in your life and a lot more encouraging uh, in your life. And you will end up having the second family and I will set you in this kind of new family or new community or in the language of the African proverb That'll become your village that helps you raise your children. Let me point you to a second passage. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than a brother who lives far away. The author of the book of Proverbs, Solomon, recognized The same thing that sometimes when disaster strikes and sometimes when disappointment hits and certainly finding yourself as a single parent would fit into that category and you want to look to your brothers or your sisters. Boy, we live, you know, if that happened to me, I've got one brother that lives in Oregon. I got one brother that lives in Iowa. I got a mother who lives in Iowa. You know, they're a long ways away. Many of you are just like that. It's like I, can't pick up, I can't pick up the phone and call my brother and say, hey, could you, know, could you watch my grandkids on Thursday night? I've got something else to do. It's a bit of a commute. So sometimes our families are just too far away. Sometimes they're just too dysfunctional. And you don't actually want them to take care of your kids. <clears throat> Yeah, in fact, you're, you're trying to look for how to set boundaries because you get on your knees and you say, Oh, God, please don't make my kids like my parents. <laughs> yeah, sad but true. Solomon says, look at this. Here's the principle to learn out of this. Solomon says, oftentimes our village is actually more helpful than our family. That's Okay at least you have a village, make a village, enlist the help of other people, create your village. That's the idea. I know Monica and I did that when we were raising our children. We looked around the church where we were at that particular point in time, and we selected two or three families that we knew would really reinforce the values that we were trying to teach our children, and and they were amazingly helpful, and I have thanked them on many, many occasions. I have said to them, you know, without your help, I'm not sure we would have successfully raised our children. Thank you for taking them with you when you went on vacation. Thank you for saying to them what you knew we were saying to them because sometimes when they thought maybe we were not quite with it, and didn't quite understand life, when they heard it from somebody else that they thought was a little bit more with it, they were like, Oh, yeah, okay. That's great. We had to create our own village. Create that village because better is a neighbor who's near than a brother who's far away. The third passage is this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And many of you have heard that passage. But if you kind of skip down to the end of that passage, it also says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, I want you to see, oftentimes we say two are better than one. Pastors love to use that that passage when talking about marriage, okay? But they shed that quickly when they get down to a cord of three strands, okay? Because the application is obviously much broader than just marriage, okay? The application is about building partnerships in life. And I want to tell you, I want to pull over the side of the road here a minute and speak to you plainly that the goal or the concept is partnerships, not dumping responsibility. You see, I know some single parents who were all so willing to enlist the help of other people. In fact, they're trying to get other people to raise their kids. And they've got the victim mindset, oh, poor me, I went through this horrible, nasty divorce and I'm so wounded and scarred in life. Could you just take my kids? Now, they might not say it quite like that, but that's how it is. Now, listen to me carefully. A partnership is a partnership if it actually blesses both parties. And if it's a one-way street, it's not a partnership. Understand how that works? So those of you who are single parents, when you're enlisting the help of other people, make sure that's a two-way street for them and that you're not just dumping a portion of your responsibilities onto them. Make sure that you and your children are blessings to them and look for ways to return the wonderful favor that those people are doing in your life by coming alongside you and shoring up what you can't possibly provide for your children and make sure that being a part of your village is not just a duty that they have but it's a pleasure they get to enjoy. Because when it is, everybody wins. But if it ever becomes them just doing your work for you, everybody loses. You will lose, your kids will lose, and they will lose in the process. Two are better than one, but not as long as one's just carrying the other. You know, a, a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken, but all the strands have to be hanging on, right? Because if you have a cord of three strands and you cut two of them, now what do you have? You have a cord of how many strands? One. Because all three have to be carrying their weight. That's what makes it work. And by the way, it's also what makes it fun. It's also what makes it fulfilling. I want to close by just giving you one statement. Years ago, I went through a brief period of time as a pastor where I was thinking, God, why? (laughs) There's so much. This was when we were setting up and tearing down. There's so much work in getting ready for church, and it takes so many people. Is there a reason why we do this every week? I bet you never thought pastors asked that question, did you? Yeah, I was like, wow, are you sure this is how this is supposed to work? I want you to listen to me. Here's the closing thought. The best village in the whole world is the local church. Friends, you can't get a better village. I'm so glad you came this morning, even if this is your first time. You can't get a better village than a local church. Because you know why? The people who are here, the people who come to a local church actually care about life or they wouldn't be here. Those of you who come here all the time know, I don't ever guilt you into coming to church. No one comes to this church unless you really want to. And it's that way on purpose. You see, the deal is, in the local church, people are here because they care about life. People are here because they want to learn. And people are here because they want to embrace into their lives the principles of God's Word that will make them good honest, decent people with great character. Now, if you're looking for a village, would that be the kind you'd like? That'd be the kind I'd like. If I'm looking for people to help me raise my children, I want people who live with integrity. I want people who would tell my children the truth. I want people who know the difference between right and wrong, and they understand that, and they don't think That it's up to them to just decide what's right or wrong. That they understand that there's a God who's already decided that. And that the best thing that they can do is get their own life in alignment with that. The best thing they can do for my children is to encourage my children to get their own lives in line with that. In the local church, people learn how to love. If you've come here, even if this is your first morning, you've already noticed this is a church where people hug, and they should. This is a place where people are loved and accepted and genuinely cared for. You can't find a better village in the whole world. I love the Boy Scouts, love the Girl Scouts, love all that stuff. They're all wonderful people, but they don't compare in what they can bring into your life to people in the local church. In this church, we invite people to become part of our life groups. Small groups of people that meet during the week. And the reason we do is because we meet to share life. We don't just meet to have a Bible study and get the right answers and go home and think, man, I'm a whole lot smarter now than when I went. We meet to share life. And we actually share life. And we pray for one another. And when one of us is going through a struggle, the others find a way to come around them and be their village during that time. I don't tell you that for any pressure. I tell you that as an open invitation. The best village in the world is the local church. And it's that way by God's design, not by mine. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, I thank you so much for the single parents in our audience this morning. First, God, I pray about that season of hurt and disappointment and grief that they went through just prior to becoming a single parent. God, whatever scars are there, whatever hurts are there, even whatever bitternesses might remain, I pray that you would give them the ability to trust you with that so that you might bring healing into their life because their parent, their children need a parent who's not broken and bitter. If they've only got one parent, God, they need a good one. So would you bring healing into their lives? And then, Lord, I pray that you would give them the ability to trust in you, to receive grace from you, to receive your provision, and to recognize that they are actually not in this project alone that you have promised to step up to the plate and to come alongside them and to provide extra help where they need it. And then, Lord, would you give them wisdom to enlist the help of others, to create a village for their family and for their children, that in the end they could say, oh my goodness, God took me, the lonely one, and he placed me in a family. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would be a great village for all of the single parents here this morning. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.